Welcome back to another episode, episode 20. No, sir. Episode 30. 30. 30. Wow. No. It's a little mile marker. 30. 30 episodes. Episode 30, Coffee and Christ. It's a little different because we've discovered that one of our mics is, not mics, but like the cord is kind of, something's wrong with it. So Dylan's like going headphoneless. I have no headphones. You I have no idea weird. how I sound. You look weird. Um, you sound great. Maybe I'm too loud. Maybe I'm not. Um, but that was part two of the te- technical difficulties we had. True. Last week, you're going to get a double episode today. Yeah. Because it won't last be double, week, but it will um, be. the website that we use to publish these um, updated, and it looks different. And then normally I just hit a button and it publishes it. Well, now I have to save the draft, and then when it says ready to publish, then I have to hit it. Oh, really? So I didn't hit ready to publish. I just hit save last week, thinking it does it automatically. So that was my fault. That's on me. I'm sorry. It's okay. We're getting two episodes today, though. Double. The other one just posted just oh, one. So Pause this one. Double. Go watch the other one first. Exactly. Double episode. Double Coffee and Christ. Buckle up. Episode 30. Here we go. So, Dylan, what happened? Or should we get into that later since we kind of like, it kind of like segues? We can... I'll, I'll leave it out, okay? It's okay. Because here, here's what we can do. I had a phenomenal weekend, okay? Me too. So, Saturday, well, Friday night, me and Jackson went to Wilder. Um, unfortunately, failed a um, mission that we were on. We didn't fail. We accomplished it. We accomplished it. The, I don't know, connection with the air tags, they yeah. failed. So, the technology it's failed us. It's, it's failed okay. us twice now. It's okay. So um, we went to Wilder. We had a good time. Yeah. I said we technology fellows. Um, so um, then for, uh, Saturday morning, woke up bright and early and went to the UT game. It was awesome. It was mm-hmm. a great time at the Newland Stadium. Amazing. Packed out. Love the atmosphere. Sold out game against UT Martin. That's awesome. I'm like, that's crazy. That was fun. Even though it was UT Martin, it was a fun game. Um, they had the, the, it was homecoming, so they had Proud of the Southland band, and they had alumni members there, and there was over 700 people on the field. That's crazy. Playing the halftime show, and then there was an old man that, like, used to be the drum major, like, a long time ago, first drum major to ever lead Rocky Top, and he, like, ran out on the field. The man was, like, 89 years old. Ran out on the field, saluted the current drum major, which gave me chill bumps. I'm getting chill bumps right now. I'm going to watch it. Climbed up on the thing and led Rocky Top. And I was just sitting there. I was just like, this is amazing. That's awesome. So we went back then, went and played golf, went and ate, went and watched a movie that night too. So I was really tired. Saturday night, it was fun. And then Sunday night was even better. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into that later. So, but we know that, I mean, I've had a phenomenal week. Good. We had Brad's retirement party today. Mm-hmm. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yeah. But good. also today, amazing how time flies. One year that Action has been in business in football. That's crazy. Today is our one year anniversary. That's awesome. So. Look how far you've gone. October, look how far we've gone. Yeah. October 27th, 2020 is when we open the doors. No way, 2021. Yeah. And now 2022 
one year in business. What a year it's been. That's crazy. What a year. We didn't mention that at all at the party. Today. I know, I forgot. <laughs> it was just kind of crazy. It has been a crazy day. Yeah, I was like, we had a lot yeah. of people over and we didn't mention it. We had to do it at all. We had a little retirement party and uh, we had Cracker Barrel catering and it was divine. Phenomenal. The biscuits. Mm. Phenomenal. Lord, mercy, help me. So, <laughs> I just praise him on that. Praise him. Give him a praise. Praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, man, um, yeah, it's been a great week. It's been fun. Perfect. That's about it. I mean, it's just... Well, for me, it's, I had a very, you know, mellow week. I went hunting, and Saturday I didn't really do much that I can think of. Bought a gun. Mm. Bought a new... Oh, a nice gun. I bought a new Remington 7... Well, it's not new. I bought it from mm-hmm. my buddies. Uh, but I got a good price on it. It was a 308. Um, so that that's good. You can never have too many guns. Uh, and then Sunday, I participated in this amazing event with Dylan. And it was well, awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're we're gonna gonna it, it, it kind of segues in. But uh, this week, we're going to... Last week, we kind of ended on... I say a quick note because we had things to do. We're kind of hurrying. Mm-hmm. And so we did not get to finish Matthew chapter 18. We got just past where Peter was asking uh, Jesus how many times he should forgive somebody. And now we're going to finish up the rest of this chapter. It's 20, uh, verses 23 through 35 where Jesus gives us this wonderful parable to explain why God's standard uh, for his church is unlimited forgiveness. It's, it's unlimited. His forgiveness for the, it's not limited. All right. So, um, did you like to read me? You got it. Okay. I'll, I'll come up on the back end. Okay. I'm going to read 20, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. And he sent, and since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold and his wife and child, children, and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken place, they were uh, greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that he had taken, uh, taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debts. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so, first things first, to kind of just get some clerical work out of the way. If you kind of, it's it's hard to imagine how much the servant actually owed his master. Ten, what does it say? Ten thousand talents. Which, a talent was just a measure of weight equal to about 75 pounds. So 10,000 talents of silver was a debt of 750,000 pounds of silver, which would be worth up to, hang with me, I would have to, I have to think about this, 195 million. That, that's, that's how much money this servant owed his master, 195 million. And I mean, 
I couldn't imagine if if one day I just said, honey, I owe this person $195 million. There's no way of ever paying that back. And so the day comes and the king demands his repayment, but the debt is so high that they, he could never repay it. Not even at the time Caesar of Rome couldn't repay this. But in fact, Jesus uses in Greek 10,000 is myriad, and that's the largest numeral uh, number in or word in Greek. So Jesus just picked out the largest word. So it it's definitely more than 195 million. But see now the king has no choice but to recover what he can on his bad loan, beginning by selling this man and his possessions and his families to other masters. And so it would just be a terrible circumstance. But the slave pleads for mercy, asking for patience and promising to repay his debt. And it's a ridiculous promise because imagine a, a day laborer promising to repay you $200 million. That's never going to happen. But he, the odds on that is zero. But he still gives him time. And the servant here takes advantage of it almost. He, he goes and asks for one of his fellow servants to to repay only a hundred denarii, which is about three months of work. And and when he didn't repay it, he forced him to and choked him out. And then when he couldn't, he just threw him in jail. When a moment earlier he had been buried under so much debt that, you know, he couldn't possibly ever recover. Yet now, though he owes his, his he owes no bills at the moment, he acts ruthlessly and, and just terrorizes this other servant. And so Jesus compares the king's response to the father's view because the, the king sees what happens. He, well, he hears from it from another servant and then, you know, has no mercy for him at that point because he's, he's not doing the same. He's not showing the same kind of mercy and forgiveness that he did to him for even as such a small matter. And so Jesus just kind of compares the king's response to the father's view uh, us when we live with an unforgiving heart towards everyone else. And remember, this is all still connected to forgiving, forgi forgiving your brothers and, that, and brothers and sisters in Christ. We've read that all through chapter 18 and how, how we respond to people who have sinned against you and then the church and how we're supposed to always act with forgiveness and that there's no amount of times that we shouldn't forgive them. We should always make a priority to forgive them. And so first you cannot, to kind of like sum this up, first you cannot possibly imagine this, how much sin this might, that if we put this in our terms, imagine if we, well not imagine, we do, we sin every day. And so if we couldn't, you know, forgive one of our own siblings in Christ, then how is Jesus ever going to forgive us on the day of judgment? And so that's, that's just kind of the whole parable right here. He's just putting it into a, real world sense and even then it's a I mean it's almost hyperbole like I can't imagine two hundred million dollars of debt. And so but that's how the seriousness of how much we should forgive somebody is even if you if they've wronged you every single time, you're still supposed to forgive them because that's what Jesus is gonna do for us. Let's um let's talk about the the heart of what's happening here. Um and think about what this guy's thinking about. So going back to, you know, he owes all this money, and he is in 
and irrecoverable, irrecoverable, oh my God, a big word, irrecoverable state. So he literally has no way of getting out. I mean, think about how hard it was to make money back in this time. Yeah. How hard would it be to, to come up with $195 million? Just, all right, let me go out here and, you know, you can't do that. Just look under my mattress. Right. Let me, let me go through the couch cushions yeah. and check the ashtray of the cart. No. I mean, you can't, unless you're just swimming in it. Yeah, you can't do that. And so he, he's literally can't get out of what's going on. And excuse me. Here comes the guy. Here comes. Anyway, so um, so literally he's in this state, and it's kind of like when we do something. Let's not let's not talk about money because I don't know of many people who listen to our podcast and earn $195 million worth of debt. Very true. And if you are, Congratulations. Dave Ramsey can't even help you. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like wow. if, you, if you call Dave, let's just, let's just play this out. You call Dave Ramsey and you say, you're in $195 million worth of debt. He's going to go, you go, what? <laughs> what did you do to get yourself you into that situation? I, you know, but anyway. So, but think about it. If you've wronged somebody that you're close with, or, or whatever, okay, and you feel the weight of that. Like you, you know that you're wrong, and you feel the weight of the situation. And then say they come up to you and say, "Hey, you know, don't don't worry about it. It's okay. You know, we well, we can work through this." And then immediately, it's not lifted off your shoulders. But you feel relieved, at least. But you feel that the weight of that situation. He's feeling the weight of the situation and what's going on. And the servant, or the, the, his master is like, you know what? <clears throat> it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and move on. So he's instantly relieved. He's like, okay. Um, okay. So now... He goes to the other servant, forgetting what it felt like to be in that situation, and goes to him and says, What's up, bro? What the heck, dude? You gonna pay me this three months worth of work? Yeah. And it's so small compared to what he owed. Yeah. But he, he totally forgets about what he felt. He totally forgets the weight of that that, that he felt. You know, when I, and this is just, this is me. <sighs> Yawned again, <laughs> but this is me. Like when I when I feel guilty about something, physically I feel it, and that's so weird. I mean, if I've done something or, or or whatever, and it's my fault, like physically I feel the weight, and like my chest starts to hurt, and, and I know it's all in my mind, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like I feel the weight lit, quite literally of the situation. But that's just me. But we forget about. When we're in these situations, we forget what it feels like. You know, we forget when, when we're wrong, and if somebody comes up to us and says, hey, it's okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. No big deal. You know, we forget what that feels like. Absolutely. And then we get into situations, and we're like, well, I can't believe you did that. I, I can't, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I've done that before. Or maybe I've not done the exact same thing, but, I mean, I, I understand what that feels like. Guys, don't forget about the weight of situations. You know, don't forget, you know, you hear, you don't forget where you came from, but that's a true statement here. 
you know, don't forget about, hey, we've all made mistakes too, and chances are, if you're upset with somebody or holding a grudge against somebody, whatever, you've probably been guilty for the same thing at some point. And you've got to sit back and go, I need to understand how I felt in that situation, and then offer people grace, guys. I, I was telling somebody the other day, it was completely unrelated, but I was like, anywhere that human beings work, there's going to be a mistake. Anywhere. You know, no, I don't care if a business has a hundred million five-star reviews. There will be a one-star review somewhere. And chances are it could be a Karen, okay? But chances are you messed up somewhere. Yeah. Okay? You're, you're never going to please everybody. It's not going to happen. And so you have to understand as Christians, as, as people who are following Christ, that understand the weight of the situation. Understand that everybody has sin. Everybody's going to mess up. And maybe it's not you this time. But understand how you felt when you messed up. And when you think like that, when you, when you think of that, you're like, man, you know, if you're upset with somebody because they've lied to you or they whatever, you can say, well, I've done that before too. I've, I've made that mistake before. I've Whatever. You guys understand what I'm talking about. So, that's like three. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but that, that, that was the main point of my, that, whole, that whole spill that I had is, you know, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what you went through. And don't forget how much Christ forgives us. Right. We don't get to go to heaven on our own terms. We don't. Yeah. You know, we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so think about that next time that you want to be upset with somebody else and think, even if nobody forgives you for what you've done, think about Christ. Think about what he's forgiven you for. And you can go, okay, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, I need to be Christ-like. And if I'm going to be Christ-like, I need to be forgiving. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things that we don't want to hear. We don't want to read that scripture, and, you know. And then at the end of verse 35, it says, So also my Heavenly Father will do to, you, do to you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You know, Jackson wrongs me, I can say, yeah, whatever, I forgive you. Well, if you don't, that's on you. It's not on him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and, and we don't realize the weight of that. You know, if, if you don't forgive other people, then you won't be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Jesus would never do that. Well, yeah, he will, because you did it to yourself. Yeah. And so that, that's a big thing that nobody really talks about. Mm-hmm. So, but moving on, um, starting in chapter 19. Do you have anything else you want to do in 18? Do you want to read? Me read? Yeah, I got you. Okay, go for it. So, I'm, I'm going to start out. You stop whenever you want to. I will. So, it says, Now when Jesus had gathered these things, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea, beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And the answer, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two flesh, but one, and where what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So, Biting the yarn, that's why I'm struggling right now. So, this is, I'm, I'm not going to get off the subject, but this is something that I've been oh, we'll run, girl, back. Go crazy. fighting with in my head here. In verse 4, okay, and this is a common scripture people go to 
to fight homosexuality. Okay, but have you not read Jesus' words that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, female, and the two shall become one flesh. Part of my weekend festivities, um, we went to a Lizzo concert. Okay, now, before I get attacked, I went. I was okay. festivities. I have liked Lizzo since she started producing music. Now, does she say things that I don't like? Yeah. Okay, but don't come at me for this. So, Jackson bought these tickets for my birthday. I have best birthday gift to date. Although his birthday is in December, but yeah, yeah. I knew he would make an exception. Best birthday gift to date I had the time in my life. And there's videos to prove it, but I'm not going to show anybody because I'm sitting at the top of my <laughs> I show. I made the mistake of showing Lisa at work the other day, and I was singing very loudly, and then everybody started laughing at me. And I said, Aww. you know what? I'm sorry. So, but anyway, there's a song that Lizzo sings. And, I, and honestly, I can honestly say I like every song that she put. Like, there's not a song that she sings that I don't like, except for one. And the title of it is Everybody's Gay. Okay, so there's 18,691 seats at Bridgestone. in Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, which is where this concert was being held, all right? And every one of those were pretty much sold out. Yep. I mean, it was, there was only one spot behind the stage that obviously people couldn't sit. So I would say there's, with the staff and everybody there, there was probably still 18,691 people there. All right, so she does this little speech before this song, and she's talking about, and her words were, if anybody comes at you for being gay, you know, whatever, she's not happy about it, she's mad about it, and like, the whole time of the concert, and Jackson can attest to this, like, I was singing, and I was having a great time, but during that moment, like, I wanted to leave. Like, just for that one second, like, for that one part, I, I shut think, it down. Yeah, I don't think a word was said between both of us. No, you're just, kind, you're of just, you're just kind of standing there, and you're like, wow. You're like, okay. So then, she, then the worst part is she, she starts, of course, when she says that, if, 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 if anybody comes at you for being gay, of course, everybody just starts going crazy and clapping and hollering and yelling. And I'm like, really? And then she starts singing the song. All the screens, the jumbo, all this starts turning the rainbow colors. They've got the disco, disco ball, rainbow light shoe. I mean, just a whole unnecessary thing. And that ran all over me. Now, do I still like Lizzo? Yeah. I overlook it because I like her. Whatever. Okay. But that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, people make Christians the bad guys. Absolutely. Because they think... Well, they hate gay people. False. Do I hate the sin of homosexuality? Yes. But we also hate the sin of every sin. Exactly. God hates God hates sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do I not approve of homosexuality? I do not. God doesn't approve of it. Okay. But and right, God doesn't approve of it. I'm a Christian, so therefore I don't approve of it. But do I know people who are homosexual? Yeah. Me too. I've got friends who are homosexual. My thing is, will I still hang out with you? Absolutely. 
Am I going to bring it up every time I see you? No. You know where I stand. But that doesn't mean that I hate you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hate something that you struggle with. I don't like it. But I don't hate you as a person. I don't hate anybody. And I can honestly say that. But my question to Jackson in the car was, how do we compete for that? How do we compete with that? How do Christians compete with, with all that that just happened? You know what bothers me, and this is just me speculating, there was 18,691 people there, roughly, my, my count. You know, I would say 18,000 of those people could care less. They were so excited to hear her say that. And there may have been a couple hundred that were like, me and Jackson aren't really yeah. we're doing this right now. And so my first immediate thing was, how are we supposed to compete with this? How are Christians supposed to compete with all this? And I was kind of, not down, but I was just like, That's, I mean, what are we supposed to do about that? And the more I thought about it, and I even told Jackson, I was like, you know what, I regret saying that. Because we serve a God who his love is more powerful than anything else. Mm-hmm. Literally. More powerful than anything you can ever imagine. More powerful than 18,000 people supporting, in one area in Nashville, Tennessee, supporting homosexuality. You know, so that's my, that was my rant. You know, don't be discouraged. And, and if you're listening to this and you're mad at me, I'll give you my phone number. We'll talk about it. Okay, because I'm not telling you that I hate gay people. I do not. I don't like the sin. Yeah. Okay, that is a sin. All right? So, anyway, off my soapbox. So, I'll, so I'll, but you I'll, can add to it. Yeah. You go ahead. Um, I saw this video that I'll pull up and show you afterwards. I don't remember if I showed you. It was just kind of like almost like a slideshow that just kept like swiping through. And it, every time it was a picture of Jesus washing somebody else's feet. Mm-hmm. And it showed I've like, yep, it showed like a worker, a a nurse, a you know tax collector, a this this. this I don't think we have tax. Yeah, we do. IRS. Anyway, X, Y, and Z, and then it got to the people who were holding up banners saying, "My body, my choice." Mm-hmm. And then another one happened on, and it was a person, a homosexual, who was doing something else, and it still showed Jesus washing their feet mm-hmm. because, and then that's the kind of the love that I try to apply, you know, I'm always not as, as, as successful with it, but I try to still continue every time I find myself in a situation where like something like this happens. And my first reaction is like anger or not anger or, but like confusion, I would say. Right. But I still remember that Jesus died for them. Mm-hmm. And you asked in class yesterday, in class Wednesday about, what our like why was why do we serve god like what our why was and, and i thought about that a lot and they, they kind of like the whole concert and everything kind of like capitalized on it where my why is i serve a god who created the universe and thought of me to make me a part of his plan to have the help to make me have or to allow me to have a home in heaven with him because he loves me he doesn't have to do it he, he didn't have to do that. He, he's done that. And we have that hope. And that's, that's my why is because even those, those people, you know, supporting, supporting it, they're excited. And they're, and that's what they're, they're really, you know, that's, that's what they do when they wake up as they, they think about it, think about how they're going to ruin somebody's day, pushing their opinion. And so, and then you have to remember that 
God still, Jesus died for them. Mm -hmm. And it, it's hard to think about that, but Jesus died for them. Jesus died for you who are wherever you're at listening or wherever part of the country you're in. Jesus died for them. And then so for us being Christians, we still have to show that love to them. No matter sin, sin, we're going to get into um, divorce here in a second. And it's the same thing. Everything we value, we have different values for sin, obviously, because we're human and we like to set stuff like that. But to God, it's, it's, it's still sin. Me cussing is the same as somebody who's gay. It's, I mean, it's the same. So it's just other things that we struggle with. You know, I may not struggle with homosexuality, but I may struggle with something else. Mm -hmm. Sin is sin. Yeah. And now, if if there are Christians who, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll get off my my rant. Okay. You know, but when you think about other Christians, you know, I can speak for myself. I can pretty much speak for Jackson because we kind of have the same mindset. Yeah. But I mean, if there is a Christian who has hurt you, if there is a follower of God or a proclaimed follower of God, that is, if you know, if, if you're, if you, let's just use this as a as an option. You know, if you're caught up in the sin of homosexuality, and a Christian has just come to you and turned you away from God by saying that you're going to hell, by saying that that you're, well, if he's judging you, which God's judging you is a sin too. Let's just keep that in mind. Also, gossip is a but, sin, but... But if they're badgering you and, and making you feel less of a person, that wasn't Jesus that did that to you. Yeah. And that's what I want people to understand is, are there Christians that may give us a little bit of a bad rap? Yeah, Absolutely. there are. But that's not God. Yeah. God is not doing that to you. If you've been hurt by the church, God did nothing to you. Mm -hmm. A human being who is flawed did that. Mm -hmm. You know, so don't make all the Christians out to be bad guys. Yeah, don't put us all in a niche because group of people. If, if, a, if a Christian is calling you out publicly or making you feel less or saying that you're going to hell or judging you or whatever, you're caught up in the sin of homosexuality, well, there you go. They're caught up in the sin of judging other people and putting themselves up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So, Again, I'm not trying to derail us here, but that just that's a common thing that you'll hear these Christians who are just slamming this group of people on social media or whatever. Have you not read that God created man and seed? I mean, all the, the my favorite one, God didn't create Adam and Eve, or no, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, or not Eve and Eve, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm tired of hearing that. Okay? Don't let somebody else's flaws who proclaim to be a Christian turn you away from God. Mm -hmm. And don't make us all out to be bad guys. Yeah. Okay? Every day I'm trying to strive to do the will of God. But guess what? I mess up. Mm -hmm. Okay? Maybe you're caught up in a certain sin that somebody doesn't want to read about. Okay? Whatever. Don't, don't make us out to be the bad guys. Okay? Because it's not God. It's not. He loves you. He wants to be in heaven with you. But there are things in the Bible that we have to go by. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm wrapping up my soapbox right there. Okay, sure. don't. I think that's good. Do not be turned away from Christ because of somebody else. 
Because he didn't do that to you. He washes your feet. And at the same time, we'll say for Christians, don't be the ones to, to push someone away. Exactly. Like, like show that love. And um, maybe we're hypocritical sometimes. But you know what? Again, we're flawed. Exactly. But show that love. Don't don't push. Try to pull in. Exactly. So, so I keep reading here. So verse 6, I read this, but I reread it. So they are no longer but two but one flesh. Uh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man who with his wife is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive the same, but only those to whom it's given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. And so, just for uh, kind of a Matthew fashion, we're dropped into situations and, and topics. Uh, so, for this one specifically, it's kind of coming at the end of chapter 17, uh, where we were in Capernaum, where Jesus made almost like his home base for ministry. And now, at the start of 19, Matthew is saying he's on the move. He's now, uh, uh, excuse me, he's now going towards south, towards Jericho, crossing the Jordan to the important part, Perea. And so now Jesus is being followed by a great crowd of people. And this is, this is unheard of. There's not really celebrities back then. Uh, and so the reason why the Pharisees were, you know, not surprised, deeply concerned with Jesus and his, and his following, you know, this can bring any sort of uproar or union or, you know, if one man can command that kind of attention and adoration, it's, it's going to draw attention. And so... With that attention, they traveled to Praia, asking Jesus on his opinion on the conditions of divorce. And so at the, at the time, the rabbinical teachings fell into two views, two camps, conservative view and liberal, and liberal view. And the conservatives taught that the only possible reason to divorce and to remarry is for unfaithfulness in a marriage. And liberal view was taught that essentially any offense could just be justified as the grounds of divorce like even um legit like if the woman burned a pot of beans that is to in the liberal view on grounds of divorce and so they were basically just asking jesus to pick the sides and it wasn't among the rabbis jesus is in Perea, which is one of the only two regions under the control of herod antipas uh and remember uh antipas i, th I think that's how i'm saying it right He's the one who imprisoned John, uh, John the Baptist for, for accusing him of doing unlawful things with uh, Herodias, and then eventually he was, he was killed. And so the Pharisees are just trying to get Jesus almost in the same situation. He's trying, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus in the bad side of the Romans. And so Jesus, love it, he, he doesn't care. He, and he just says the truth, which is, in my opinion, very conservative. He, uh, he just, and to do that, he just begins the discussion, we've kind of talked about this, with marriage with the creation. How the very design of the male and female bodies are 
a hint to the union that God wants to establish. He didn't create two completely independent people. He created Adam, and then he took a rib and created Eve. And that kind of is where we get the literally meaning one flesh, that both of them together make one flesh because they come apart from each other. And so understanding the, the Bible's teachings on marriage and divorce kind of requires us to distinguish between those two aspects. And the first is a marriage is a covenant and covenants are broken. But the one thing that cannot be broken is the one flesh relationship because it established a physical union between a male and a female. And you cannot have one without the other. So when divorce happens, the, the marriage covenant's broken, you know, but the one flesh relationship, it goes on. And so that's why when you get divorced, you can't remarry if it's not on this, the you know, biblical laws, and we'll get more into that in, in a second. Well, and, and kind of play off for you there, too, you know, the, the covenant that's established, you know, I, I do weddings, okay? Yeah, that's and true. So, we, none of us are, we're not married here, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not married, Jackson's not married, but I, I perform officiate weddings. You're, you're very popular in that. And so, right now, it's popping. The business is, the business is <laughs> driving, you know. You're popping right I've now. I've done several weddings here recently. <laughs> um, business is good. <laughs> Actually... Fun fact, I don't charge a dime to do weddings. Um, I, I'll do them. Um, so hit the No, 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 I'm, let me finish. <laughs> I don't enjoy doing weddings. <laughs> I'm not married myself. Weddings stress me out. But if I know you, I'm glad to do it, you know, whatever. So when I said business is good, I was just kidding. You know, I don't, I don't charge <laughs> to do weddings. But anyway, the covenant that is, that's being discussed here, you know, in order for two people to legally be married, I have to take three forms and I have to sign them in order for you for, for that physical covenant to be established. Yeah. Um, so if I don't sign the piece of paper, it doesn't matter what I say in a wedding ceremony. I, I can say, well, the power rests in you, the Savior to the sea and God, and I pronounce you husband and wife. I can say that all day long, but if I've not signed their wedding license, their marriage license, and I've not got a witness to watch me sign it, and then the witness sign the paper. I mean, they're not married. You know, that's what I was telling. I did a wedding uh, two, three weeks ago, some friends from college, and um, it was funny because I, I usually I sign the documents before, you know, the wedding actually takes place. And so I signed the documents, and then the groom's mother was like, all stressed out, you know how parents are on wedding days, and they're, oh, did you, did you? Sign? I said, on paper they're married. All I've got to do is say a few really cool words, and then we're done. <laughs> that's kind of my goal. Like, on paper they're, done. you know, but that physical covenant can be broken. Mm -hmm. Okay, with divorce. But kind of like what Jackson was saying, I can't establish. No man can establish the covenant of the one flesh. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. No matter how many documents I sign, no matter what credentials that I hold, no matter what I say in a wedding ceremony, I cannot establish that. Right. That is something that God does. Yeah. So we can break it all day long. Once you're married, though, we can break that physical covenant all day long. You can't break what God establishes. Right. You know, and so... Um, what else were you going to say? I'm sorry, I don't want to run with it. If you oh, I, I, you go. You know, but I'll chime in whenever. So, starting in, let's see. There's a verse 9. 
And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, commits adultery. Huh, I left something out, but I'm going to, there's a reason why. You know, you're going to talk to Christians who are, you know, you're you're just going to talk to some Christians and they're going to say, well, unless it's for sexual immorality, you've committed adultery. Okay, that's not to say, you know, what if you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage and a spouse is mentally unstable, a spouse is beating you, a spouse is whatever, okay? A lot of people will say, if you divorce that person, you are committing adultery, okay? Wrong. Wrongo. I'm going to read, there. there's a thing here in verse 9, um, I decided if I was ever going to be a teacher, I'd either teach agriculture or English, because I, I like it, um, but there's a, something called an appositive, or an A-positive. I just call it an appositive. But there's an appositive there that I skipped. And what an appositive is, is something you can take two scissors, cut out of a sentence, and it still makes sense without it there. I knew what that was, but I didn't know we had a word for it. So, it's an appositive. So if I say, you know, I don't know know how to explain it, but I I I live here. You know, but in verse 9 it says, I'll read it again, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, comma, and marries another comma, commits adultery. So, my response to this is, I don't want to see anybody get divorced. I don't. No, we should avoid that. But, I do want to at least mention this, you know, if you're in a marriage, like I said, you're, you're married to somebody who beats you, you're married to somebody who's mean to your kids, you're married to, to whatever, you can get divorced. Yep. Okay? Does God like divorce? No. Okay, that one flesh that God establishes is still present. Mm-hmm. But if you get divorced for any reason except for sexual immorality, unfaithfulness, then you can't get remarried. You, you just can't. Yep. Yeah, and you need to understand that. When you get divorced, you know, and it's not for that reason, then you have to be okay with, I can't remarry you. You know, most people who've been in that situation don't want to. Yeah. Okay, but I know several faithful Christians who have been divorced, not for sexual immorality, and they're okay with not being married again. That's fine. Yeah. They're okay with that. Nothing wrong with that. And so, but I, I saw that to say, you know, the covenant can be broken. But even if you are divorced for another reason, the tie that God created. It's still there. Yeah. And it's in the, I could get into this whole big thing about the marriage triangle and God at the head. And, and I'll, I'm not going to, we could talk right. for two hours. Okay. But um, know that. <clears throat> Again, there are so many people that will turn you off from that and, and make you believe that you have to live a miserable life. You don't. Yeah. Okay. Just understand. Make sure we're reading this a positive. I read the English Standard Version, but guess what? It's in the King James, too. And marries another, commits adultery. That's right. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. So go ahead. And so uh, I'm going to read verse 7 one more time to kind of give a little more context for why. And so then they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your, of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And 
verse 9, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And so right here, the Pharisees challenged Jesus by quoting from the law in Deuteronomy 24. I don't have it pulled up, but basically Moses, Moses gives instructions on divorce. And Moses allowed men to issue a divorce certificate if the man discovered any, uh, they use the word indecency. And the Greek word for indecency is erwabe, which literally means unfaithfulness. And so Jesus just reminds them of the true reason why, true reason God allowed men to end their marriage and covenants in Deuteronomy 24. And so Jesus says Moses didn't command divorce, rather he permitted it. And there's a big difference between commanding and permitting. And, you know, we, like we've already discussed, we should do everything in our power to avoid this. But in that day, men had all the power in marriage. And if husbands wanted to end the marriage, the women had no say in it. It was, if they wanted it done, it was done. And a man could send his wife away from his home, leaving her literally homeless and abandoned. And her only hope for survival would be for some other man to take her and to take care of her. But before another man would take her into his house, the man would need assurance from her first husband that she wasn't still married. Because if she was still married, that no man could take her in her house. Otherwise, they would be accused of adultery, which back then was punishable by death. And so Jesus is saying here that divorce was an accommodation for sin, not, a, not like commanding it or permitting it. It was a permission that had the law not allowed for divorce, hard-hearted women, uh, men, excuse me, would still have sent their wives away. And this was God showing, I guess you could say grace, having women not be in that state of abandonment for forever, where they would be, you know, they would probably die of starvation or exposure or, I mean, anything back then. And so the divorce here, we'll go back to that, ends the marriage covenant and makes, a po makes possible for another one, but not the one flesh. See, the one flesh exists, I mean, I, I have some scripture here in, in uh, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read it real quick. Paul writes, in verse 2, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. According to, she will be called a adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. So that's the only other reason why someone is allowed to remarry after a divorce. We've talked about along the lines of sexual immorality, where the counterpart of the marriage someone has broke that one flesh bond and another one is if there's a death a death of a spouse and those are pretty self-explanatory but and then we've already talked about again there's other reasons if you suffer from abuse or child endangerment it's okay they get divorced that is you're breaking that marriage covenant on earth but as long as you don't break the one flesh covenant with god and then so then we're, uh, I'm going to keep reading as long as you have no thoughts. In verse 10 and 12, I'm just going to read it one more time. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. And he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been, give, who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have, been, have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. Let the one who is able to 
receive this. And so the disciples here are uh, hearing Jesus' teachings, and, and they realize that Jesus not only rejected this liberal view of divorce, and he took the conservative view a little step further, further so they responded that if this is all true, then isn't it just better to remain single? It's better to just not marry at all, to get in this situation. It's better to live alone than, and I think this is a very true statement, but it's better to live around, alone risking than risking getting hitched to someone who just makes your life miserable and then you divorce and there's no, there's no, you, there's no way you can get another companion in life because of that. And so, long story short, make sure you wait for the right woman <laughs> or the right man. Um, and then Jesus, he, he says here, there are three groups who will not enter into this one flesh relationship. Uh, some are unable to for physical or other limitations. Uh, others prevented from entering into it because they are made eunuchs by service of the king. That usually doesn't happen nowadays. Um, there's no king. Uh, and then the third is some choose just not to get married. I know plenty of people who just never got married in their life. And they're completely fine with it. And that's a gift. If I, 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 I want to get married. But if you are completely content with not getting married, that's great. You don't have to worry about any of this <laughs> at all. And so we just need to, as a quick reminder, because we're, uh, this is all we're going to be uh, covering in this podcast, is that God is against divorce, yet we quickly forget God is equally against every form of sin. Let's wrap it all back up into homosexuality, judging. And if we're not careful, we can treat one kind of sin and error differently than any others. We can hold one type of sin to a higher standard than any other. But it's no coincidence that Jesus' teaching of marriage and divorce comes immediately after forgiveness in the church. We all need to know that forgiveness more than, we all need forgiveness, excuse me, more than we will ever know. And none of us have unforgivable sins. So as you go out through the week, remember Jesus forgave you. And we should do the same. Exactly. So don't, don't think we're just sitting here hopping on homosexuality and divorce. We're not. We're hopping on all sin. We're hopping on sin. Okay, because I struggle with sin, Jackson struggles with sin, every single person who's ever lived on the earth has struggled with sin except for one, Jesus. and that was Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, if he forgave you, why can't you forgive other people? Absolutely. So, have a great week. We love you. <laughs>